Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I invite you to open up your Bibles this morning, if you have them with you, or you can open the service booklet to our Gospel reading, Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. There's no subject more pressing than the subject of change. It concerns our human predicament. We spend countless hours seeking improvement because we are intimately aware of our need to change. But I submit that the question that we must ask is not so much how do we change, but who is he? Who is the one who changed before Peter, James, and John? Who is this one who went high up on the mountain and transfigured? Who is this one who changes us? Who is this one who works for our reward? You see, our passage this morning paints this spectacular picture of transformation that sees and hears and remembers God's glorious surprise. And that's what we're going to look at, is this glorious surprise that appears and it has to do with change and transformation. But what must we see? What must we hear? What must we remember? Moreover, what or who is God's glorious surprise? I submit that it is the humiliation and exaltation of Christ for Christ acts. He enlightens and he reveals. He makes us to see and to hear and to remember. He is our only hope. He is our glorious change. In the previous chapter, we hear Peter's confession at Caesarea Philippi, where he says to Jesus, you are the Christ. And immediately following, Jesus then foretells his death and resurrection. He says that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly, we are told. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now parallel this passage with Christ's transfiguration. After all, Christ's transfiguration immediately follows <clears throat> this. We are told that Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. You see, when we take Jesus for our own interests, we are ungodly instruments that Christ then rebukes. But when Christ takes us, just like he took Peter, James, and John, led them up this mountain and transfigured before them, when Christ takes us, 
He is that heavenly instrument of glorious surprise that strengthens our hearts, that strengthens our faith to take up our crosses, to deny ourselves, and to follow Him. So what is this glorious surprise of Christ? Is it not that Christ acts? We find Him doing the action here in our passage this morning. Do we not read that Jesus took and led and transfigured? You hear those verbs? Christ is doing the action here. He's the one who acts. He is the one who brought and guided and changed. He is the one who is doing the work. And his work is for the benefit of Peter, James, and John. Christ knew that he needed to strengthen Peter's heart for the things of God. Our Lord knew Peter's influence on the rest of the disciples, and so he ensured that he was strong. Yes, Peter, James, and John were gloriously surprised to find themselves suddenly high upon this mountain, witnessing Christ's transfiguration before them. They saw him. They saw the glorious surprise of Christ. They saw a snapshot of his exaltation because they witnessed Christ's acts. When we witness Christ's acts, we see that glorious transfiguration. We see that glorious transformation. And they saw it on the seventh day. This is the day of rest. The day of completion. It's the day for which Christ works for us. When we rest, we know that he works for us. Yes, they saw the glorious surprise of Christ. We're told that after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves And that he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And notice in verse 9, as we look ahead to our final verse in our passage, that they're not to tell anyone until he would resurrect from the dead. You see, our Lord's transfiguration is linked with Christ's resurrection. It's a glimpse of Christ's exaltation. This wasn't a reflection of God's glory like Moses' face showed brightly after he came off that mount. No, this was God himself showing forth his triumphant glory to them. This is linked to Christ's resurrection, and this is very important to understand. When his clothes were radiant and intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them, it was God bursting forth to them in a way that can only be realized after Christ's resurrection. And this is why Jesus tells them not to tell anyone until he would resurrect from the dead, In that final verse before us, not only is Christ showing forth his supremacy, but he is also showing forth his salvation plan that from humiliation comes exaltation. Christ shows both his identity and his purpose. 
He shows that he takes and leads and changes. You see how we must see that hidden activity and glorious surprise of Christ's gospel that through his humiliation, there is exaltation. And so let us never tire from emptying ourselves for we will one day be surprised by our Lord's exaltation. Yes, let us be willing Let us be strengthened to take up our crosses and to follow Jesus. Look at how a caterpillar surrounds itself in a cocoon. It appears dull and drab and lifeless. But hidden in that cocoon is the teeming activity of transformation. So that one day it bursts forth from that cocoon, not as a caterpillar, but as a butterfly. Child of God, One day we will burst forth transformed. Let our hearts be strengthened by hearing this glorious word that Christ changed before Peter, James and John. And that is foretelling that we too will change because of his resurrection. Because Christ has been resurrected, we too will be resurrected. One day we will wave goodbye to the fallen world that is filled with anxiety and alarm. One day we will breathe our last breath here so that we might breathe our first breath in glory. Then we will burst forth from this dull, drab and lifeless lifeless cocoon. Then our clothes will be radiant and intensely white like our Lord. Then we will be changed. We will be free. We will be home. We will be transformed. You see, this verb transfigured is literally the Greek word metamorphos. Metamorphos. And it means to change one's form. This is what our Lord did and this is what he is doing for us. This is his hidden activity That is happening even now. And one day will be realized through the power of Christ's resurrection. This is the glorious surprise. Christ had recently told his disciples of his cross and his passion. He told them of the self-denial and suffering that they must embrace if they were to be saved. We should not doubt that such a glorious sight of Christ's transformation strengthens the soul. For this is why he took Peter, James and John to strengthen their hearts. Christ does something extraordinarily pastoral here that we all should take to heart. He gives them a glimpse of exaltation and strengthens their faith. He encourages them. He promises his little flock. And this is what we ought to do to each other. We ought to encourage one another through the work of Jesus Christ. Do we see the hidden activity of Christ? We must see beyond the ugly cocoon. We must see beyond the humiliation. We must see the gospel surprise that from humiliation comes exaltation. And we can only see this. By seeing Christ. Do we simply see the suffering and the death? 
Soon we will enter Lent. But before we are able to follow Christ in this season of prayer and fasting, we must catch a glimpse of Christ's triumphant grace. It's no coincidence that we celebrate the transfiguration of Christ just before we enter into this Lenten season. For it was the joy that was set before him that made him to endure the cross. We must see the joy before us if we are to take up our crosses and follow him. And if our hearts are to be strengthened, then we must see Christ transformed. Yes, we must be taken and taken by him and be led to that place in which we catch a glimpse, not of his suffering, but his triumphant glory. So what is this glorious surprise? Is it not that Christ enlightens? We've just seen that it's that Christ acts. But now we see that it's that Christ enlightens. And we see this in verses 4 through 6, where Peter and the other two disciples' obscurity is contrasted with Christ's glory. But we also see something else. We discover that those who believed in the Lord in century past, namely Moses and Elijah, suddenly appeared there. And they were talking with Jesus and they were talking with Jesus because why? Their hearts were enlightened. We're not told what they were talking about here in this gospel. But in the gospel of Luke, we are told what they were talking about. And we we are told that they were talking about Christ's departure, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. You see, Moses and Elijah represent the entirety of the Old Testament. And here they appear in Christ's glory, discussing with Christ that which is central to the glory of his mission. They discussed his departure, his atonement. You see, the humiliation of Christ's atonement is central to the exaltation of his enthronement. This is his work. This is his act. And this is our joy. It is no coincidence that the transfiguration of Christ is sandwiched between the humiliation of Christ's incarnation and the humiliation of Christ's crucifixion. If we wish to be known by Christ like Moses and Elijah, if we wish to know the glory of our Lord, then we must, like them, be enlightened. Yes, we must be regularly acquainted with our Lord's work and believe in his glorious reward that is yet to come and be realized to us. We will never be exalted if we are never humiliated. Yes, we must take up our crosses and we will never be resurrected if we are never crucified and killed. We must crucify the flesh. If we wish to be enlightened like these two great witnesses of Christ. Second, we discover this tear of Peter and James and John. Despite Peter's reverence, despite his gratitude his response reveals that he is deeply misguided. You see, their terror and folly reveals their obscurity. 
and contrast it with Christ's glory. Christ's glorious acts, Peter's foolish acts. Sure, Peter reverences Christ. He calls him rabbi. He acknowledges that it is good that he sees this. He's strengthened in his service and gratitude. But he acts foolishly, doesn't he? He speaks a bunch of gibberish. He babbles. There's a clear demarcation between Christ's glory and Peter's obscurity. At the Tower of Babel, they sought to build a tower to reach to the heavens And God divided their tongues so that they were confused. Here, Peter is confused, not because he seeks to play God like those at the Tower of Babel, but because at God's lofty appearance, we see the lowliness of man. We see our neediness to be transformed. Man can do many things, but he cannot do what Christ has done. He cannot ascend that high mountain unless Christ takes and leads him. He cannot gloriously act and be transformed. He cannot enlighten his darkened heart and mind. But because our Lord is rich and mercy, he transforms our ugliness into his Beauty. He transforms our lowliness into his loftiness. He enlightens our darkened hearts and minds. Now, there were no photos back then, and there were certainly no videos that would have helped Peter to recognize that this was Moses and that this was Elijah. And we're not told how he was able to identify Moses and Elijah. But perhaps it was that that heavenly greeting that took place upon their arrival. However it happened, it most certainly was the wisdom of God that was made known to him. It was the very grace of God that enlightened Peter with this knowledge. And my point is this. Though the spiritual brilliance of Christ is contrasted with the spiritual darkness of Peter... And the other disciples, it is the light of Christ that shines into darkness and overcomes it. And we see this here before us in this glorious scene. This is the same grace of God that caused Moses, who was not able to set foot in the promised land, but now in the glory of Christ is firmly planted in promise high upon that mountain. We may be terrified, we may be foolish, but Christ Jesus makes us wise and he makes us safe. We have no reason to fear. We may be like Moses who spent his ministry in the wilderness and not in the promised land. But when Christ gloriously appears, he firmly plants us into his promised glory. When Christ gloriously acts, he gloriously enlightens and transforms us. And so what is this glorious surprise? Is it not that Christ reveals? Is it not the faith that is implanted into our hearts and strengthened so that we may carry on with confidence that we too will be resurrected? 
In verses 7 through 9, this glorious surprise is confirmed by hearing and remembering and seeing nobody but Jesus. It is Him who is our hope. The scene that is before us and the voice that is heard is reminiscent of the covenantal God's saving plan for Israel. Do you hear that? Do you see that saving plan that God has for his people? We hear words like a cloud overshadowed them. A voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. This is what we hear. And we hear these same words. This is my beloved son spoken from heaven at Christ's baptism, don't we? But this time we are given an addition. Listen to him. Hear him. This is not only the prophesied Messiah, but the heavenly father's son. And as he nears his sacrificial death and we are given this glorious glimpse, aren't we? A glorious glimpse of his humiliation and his exaltation. We should never overlook the connection between Christ's transfiguration and Christ's resurrection. There is great comfort and consolation at hearing and remembering and seeing Christ's work and believing in his reward. This theme of hearing and listening and obeying runs through all of the Holy Scriptures. It's centered around this Hebrew word, Shema. This Hebrew word, Shema, we hear in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. He strengthens our hearts. See, Shema means to hear, to listen, to obey. This is what true worshipers are to do. This is what transformation looks like. We must hear. We must hear the words of our Lord if we are to obey him. Do you see what is now being emphasized? It's not so much seeing, it is hearing. He is the great teacher. He is the great light. He is the great head for his church. It is the glorious surprise of Christ who acts and enlightens and reveals by our hearing. He is the one who transforms and changes. And so let us listen to him. If we are to know who he is, then we must hear what he says. Yes, we must listen to him. We must hear and look and lean upon him. The question which our Lord asked earlier in the previous chapter, who do you say that I am? Is answered. With another question. And that question is, what does our Lord say? What does our Lord say? We must cherish his word. We must meditate on his word. This is our hope. 
If we are to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might, then we must hear and listen and obey him. We must hear what he says. So may this glorious surprise of Christ's exaltation strengthen our hearts to listen and to follow him all the more diligently. For he is the great shepherd and his sheep know his voice. Blessed are they who hear his voice. For he will take, lead, and transform them into his glory. See, the glorious vision of Christ's transfiguration is about the glorious declaration of Christ's good news. That's what it's about. And so let us listen to him and follow him. Let us cherish his words and be changed from glory to glory. Amen. Thank <clears throat> you.